This is Dennis. And this is Rich. From for- Brazil Camp. And you're listening to The Brazilian Beat. Welcome to The Brazilian Beat. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. Welcome. This is Diana. And this is Courtney. And here we are with another episode. Today we have one that I'm really excited about. This is... Yeah, you guys are going to get a lot out of this one. Um, it, was a, it was a long time coming. We've been trying to set it up for a while. And um, yes, very excited about this one. Today we have Curtis Pierre, the Samba Man of New Orleans. Curtis was born and raised in the carnival traditions of New Orleans for the first 20 years of his life. He's the founder and director of Casa Samba, the first samba school in Louisiana. He was introduced to Brazilian percussion in 1979 by world-renowned Brazilian drummer Ayrto Moreira. He later studied percussion with Bill Summers, percussionist for Herbie Hancock, Munyungo Jackson, percussionist for Stevie Wonder, and Ron Powell, a percussionist for Sergio Mendes. Since 1988, he has studied with some of the top samba school mysteries in Brazil. He has studied exclusively with master Brazilian folkloric percussionist Jorge Alabe from Rio de Janeiro in a self-supported residency endeavor for over 15 years. In the past five years, he has also studied with master percussionist Marcio Peter from Iliae in Salvador, Bahia. In 2004, Curtis paraded with Salguero in Rio Carnival, and in 2009, he gave a workshop to members of Iliae on Samba from Rio. In addition to all this, Curtis is a teacher of the Afro-Brazilian martial art Capoeira Angola for over 20 years. Since 1998, Curtis Pierre, the Samba Man, has conducted his interactive Brazilian drumming programs at workshops all over the U.S. and the world. In his own community, he's involved with uh, a program called Roots of Music. It's a um, citywide program that teaches um, band in an after-school program. He also works with Samba Kids. It's at the New Orleans Recreation Department Commission. He's done that for 10 years. That's longer than I've even been playing Samba. (laughs) Like twice as long. (laughs) He works with Dage to Stage, a musical theater for kids. He's done that for the past 15 years. He also works with a program called Young Audience Program. He's a board consultant for them. Over the years, he's done numerous performances and workshops in New Orleans public school system and the southern region, reaching over a million children in his 18-plus years. So he has extensive experience teaching in his own community and um, leading groups and and teaching workshops all around the world. He also, Diane and I cannot stop talking about California Brazil Camp, you may have noticed. He also (laughs) teaches a really great class there. Um, I believe they just call it Brazilian percussion and that's a a wonderful class. They break, take every instrument and he breaks it down, shows you how to play it and its role in, in ensembles, different ensembles. It's really great class. He also assists um, whoever the mystery is that year for the advanced bacheria class. Curtis is also very well known as one of the three best malabarismo or pandeiro jugglers in the U.S. and is also a very awesome cuica player. If you ever get a chance to hear him, do so. Excellent. This is going to be, as you can tell, we have a lot of respect for for Curtis. He's done a lot for his community and for um, the greater samba community in the United States. And we're just really um, honored to have him on. And he's a great guy. Yeah, that too. That too. All right. Thanks for listening. Diana, good morning. How's it going? Hey, Courtney. I'm doing well. It's a great Sunday morning here. And on the line, we have Curtis Pierre. 
from New Orleans, Louisiana. Good morning, Curtis. Good morning, Courtney, and good morning, Diana. Thanks for coming on, Curtis. Mm -hmm. Thank you for inviting We're me. We're honored to have you. Yeah. yeah, we wanted to talk to you for a long time. Good, good. So what do you guys want to know? Um, well, <laughs> a little of everything. <laughs> well, let's start out like with the with the beginning. Where where did you grow up, and um, how did you get started with music? Well, I got started with music when I was about uh, seven years old. I was in the elementary school band, and uh, I wasn't in a big city, so I grew up in the country. So our band teacher oh. came like once a week to teach us, and uh, from there. It was just uh, a matter of uh, just you know holding on to that that feeling of wanting to play play music, and I chose the drums, and uh, I just kept doing it until I got out of uh, junior high, and I stopped, and I got into like what like what you would call like a pop band, mm -hmm. and uh, I really liked Earth Wind and Fire and. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, some other groups like uh, Mandrills, uh, Osabisa, things like that, like some people never really heard of actually back then. But um, they involved a lot of percussion. That's why I really liked them. So after that, I moved on after graduate graduating from high school. Uh, I started to go to the Navy. And after I came out of the Navy, I wanted to start playing percussion again, so I decided to come back and uh, start doing that. And the first thing I, I, I figured out was that I needed to find uh, a teacher or some kind of music that I liked. I was told that by a guy who was a real famous jazz drummer called Roy Brooks. And uh, Roy, was I was in Detroit at the time. And Roy Brooks had this group called the Aboriginal Percussion Choir. And he, um, I asked him for this advice, and the advice that he told me, he was like, you need to find a teacher. But before you find a, a teacher, you need to find a music that moves your soul. Hmm. And uh, so I had dabbled around a little bit in like reggae music, a lot more in traditional African dance, uh, I was very, very inspired by learning Afro-Cuban and also just the everyday American throwdown conguero player doing that. I used to go to Griffin Park and hang out with those guys. And uh, I found a teacher basically through, uh, I guess, just something that was meant to be. Because when I was in Detroit, and he told me that I had, you know, I had to find some way to, to get to that music. And it came to me, and it was in the form of Ayerto Moriri. Mm -hmm. So uh, a friend of mine gave me an album of Ayerto, and uh, I really liked that music, you know, and it, it was really good. And I wasn't really sold at the time, but it just was, was stuck with me. So stuck with me that I actually made a commitment to move from Detroit to move to California in Los Angeles, where Ayerto at the time was living in Santa Barbara. Mm. And uh, so I said, well, at least, because I had actually got to play with him and meet him in Detroit at a concert. So that gave me a lot of inspiration to uh, go back to uh, 
to LA and just, you know, make my home there. And uh, so at the time, I was going through some troubles. My father had just passed away right before I left Detroit. And uh, that was a gift that I got, you know, that I got to set in with Ayrto like a week after I came back from my father's funeral because the funeral was in New Orleans and I was still living in Detroit. So I went home and I came back. I was real down. And I saw in the paper he was coming up that weekend and a friend of mine invited me to go, you know, try to you know just pick my pick my spirits up a little bit so i did that and i got there early and he was like hey man you want to you know we we're not expecting a big crowd but i always like to have you know inspire percussions you want to sit in for one song with us and i was like yeah you know and that was just like cool made my whole night day everything yeah and so that's what really, really, really inspired me to move to California to follow him because this kind of kindred karma thing happened, you know, with my father passing away one week and me getting the, 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 the nod for at least being with this giant icon who I was mm -hmm. actually, you know, really uh, trying to study and trying to be closer to. So when that happened, that really changed my mind. So, oh, wow. Yes, I'm, so I moved to California. I didn't, like I said, I didn't go to live with him, but every every, t every opportunity I could go to see him when he was playing somewhere and around near L.A. or Long Beach, I would even drive. I drove to Long Beach a couple of times. I drove to Long Beach to, to a concert and was there two hours before the concert started because I, I was trying to help him to get in and load in and talk to him, and it, I did that a couple of times. <laughs> So that's how I got on on the Brazilian thing, and also moving to to Los Angeles, I met some very in, uh, influential friends. Three, I think, the three people that really got me on the road for for becoming who I am today. Uh, one person was uh, Randy Banks. Uh, he was a pandeiro player and a capoeirista from from Los Angeles. And uh, the next person was uh, Benny Duarte. He was a pandero uh, extraordinaire. He did everything. Benny, I, I'm sure everybody in San Francisco knows Benny. And uh, the next person was Lazaro Franco. He was, the, I think, the most instrumental because he was a part of my Brazilian family or my real first Brazilian family who brought me to Brazil or, or I brought myself there and you know he took care of me like I was his brother and all my family and this was um, I've stayed in New in Los Angeles for six years and I had never been to Brazil but I knew I uh, had a lot of affiliates and knew a lot of people perform with groups but I had never been to Brazil until 1988 when I hooked up with Lazaro again in Brazil and uh, he brought me to all the different samba schools, and I started right then developing a relationship. Back then, it was like 500 bucks to go to Brazil. I think I went to Brazil like maybe 10 times in three years because it was wow. so cheap to go. Yeah, it was like five, 600 bucks, but I was on a mission. <clears throat> so after that, I started to go maybe like once a year because I could never really afford to to stay for more than two to, two to three weeks at a time 
because of I wouldn't be working and I had to yeah. continue to work in here. And that's a problem for most professional people who are studying or are involved with any type of uh, foreign music or foreign country. It's hard to go there and study and work here. So after being, you know, being back and forth to Brazil for about maybe, say, 10 years, I still really here in New Orleans didn't have the respect that I really... Uh, deserve or I thought I needed but I I found what I would call the real teacher because I I know now that Ayrto was a teacher he was more of a mentor and inspiration mm -hmm. so at the time to me he was a teacher but I learned a lot oh I learned a lot from him but not in the same sense as I did with Georgie Georgie Alabe mm -hmm. uh, he came I met Georgie uh, here in New Orleans for the first time. The group Oba Oba came to perform here, and uh, they asked us to perform because I had a Brazilian group here in New Orleans, and so they, they asked us to do the after-party performance where they had this big dinner and invited us all, and that's how I got to meet him. And so we became friends and uh, also met my uh, capoeira master there, uh, Mr. Cobrinha. This was all in like 1990, uh, uh, actually around 1989, really, when the Oba Oba first came. And uh, so I got to build a relationship in about, I think it came back another year, uh, two years later. And that's when I asked Georgie if he wanted to come and stay for six months. Georgie Alabe, uh, yeah. the one who actually, like I said, brought my career to what it is today. And so I asked him to stay for another six months. And the next thing I know, I was getting another extension. Next thing I know, it was 10 years <laughs> later and he had been here. <laughs> so I was up to a dilemma at the 10 years because they wouldn't get any more extensions. So um, he basically, you know, was uh, him and my sister was, were, were good friends, and so they wind up getting married. And uh, so he was here for another 10 years. <laughs> so he, wow, you I know, didn't realize so, he was there that long. Yeah, yeah. well, it, oh, was, it was a split, okay? So he left, he was with me for like a year and a half. He went back home for a year. Then that's when I got him to come back. So it's gotcha. been about, it's been about actually 20, 20, for 25 years together because my son wow. wasn't born when I first when he first came and my son is 22 this year so it's something like 24 years that wow. we've had a relationship something like uh -huh. that so I can't I couldn't tell you the exact time but by by the age of my son I know he's been in my <laughs> life for at least 24 to 25 years at least right. so can, um, can I interrupt you for just a second and sure, ask you how did you how did you get from California back to New Orleans what was what happened there well I had I, I was being back and forth doing samba, being an artist, and my life just wasn't going right in LA. It was it's got a little really expensive, yeah. but the one thing that that I did get was I had a friend of mine, Bill Summers, who was also a big inspiration mm, to me. Bill Summers. Yeah. yeah, he was he was thinking about moving to New Orleans, and he said, "Man, you should go back home and start something there." And I never, because when I was studying the Brazilian percussion, which was the school de samba stuff like that, I never put carnival together with that. Hmm. 
we were doing shows, carnival shows, but I never put carnival together with Mardi Gras. And right. when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah. And just so happens, when uh, I checked with Benny, and Benny Duarte from San Francisco had been here with a group um, maybe six months, uh, a year before that, and he was telling me there was a group here that was trying to start a carnival group. And when I came back, <clears throat> lo and behold, that they were uh, trying to start a group. They didn't have any kind of professionalism, but they had great enthusiasm, and they were called Palmares. So I was, you know, I just got to meet them, and uh, in this group uh, appears my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Not my my first wife, my 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 wife of today, because I was married before I actually went to the Navy. It didn't say that, but wasn't wasn't a big deal but anyway so reason why I say that because we didn't know each other at the time that's when I met her in this group and she was one of the enthusiast Brazilian enthusiasts or we call Brazil nuts in the group <laughs> and uh, so we uh, and we got together and so the group got to a point where it needed to split up and this group wanted to be a social and that group wanted to be professional and so the professional people came with me and the social people went with who they wanted to do and that's how we became casa samba so c-a-s-a -A means cosmopolitan amigo samba association that's what casa means okay uh so that's how that came about and so after about three or four years, uh, we started dating, and then like, five or six years later, we got married, and now here we are today, about 34 years. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. And uh, so, yeah, so after, that's when I came back home. I started the group, and, about, and all of that happened. And when I brought Georgie back, he started to go to um, the Brazil camp. And uh, the first year, he was telling me about it. it was like, man, this is great, da 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 And I said, man, I'd like to go next year. And so they invited me to come next year. And it was, it was really good, and I started coming. I think I've missed two years since I've out of the 20. Wow. So Nice. So you have any questions so far? <laughs> I do, yeah. <laughs> what were there, um, what was it like in the States at that time? Were there, you know, it seems like now every not every town, but every sizable city has, you know, a, at least a small batteria. I mean, where, what was it like back then? Where, where was that still the case? Were there still groups at the time playing? Or, you know, I know Georgie had a huge influence on, on people. So many people, yeah. Well, are you talking about pre-Georgie or post-Georgie? Pre. I mean, I guess during that whole time, I mean, what was it like before? And then, well, I guess, that's, as, Well, you see, that's what a lot of people don't understand. There is the Brazilian culture here. This is my opinion. Okay, mm -hmm. I don't. I'm not a. Uh, I don't. Didn't go out and do a census on any of this or a synopsis. <laughs> okay, but uh, I'm 62. I've been involved with this since I've been 27. So that gives you an amount of time I've been watching what's going on with everything here in America with samba. Okay, I know just about all the groups, who started where and when. As well as Capoeira. And this is one of the things that a lot of people misinterpreted about Americans learning Brazilian culture. Mostly Brazilians that there are, there's a difference between 
a student and a disciple okay and a lot of a lot of people thought that the people that were taught in the early days were only students okay and I don't know if you understand where I'm going with this but a student will come to class do what he has to do um, be the perfect student do all of his things and then go home a disciple will never go home he's <laughs> always with you he's there to clean your shoes read your pay he's there literally i'm speaking literally it, it doesn't happen but that's a disciple he's devote it's called a devotee and everything you do or teach is going to be cherished and remembered and never changed because they really believe in you as a teacher that's mm -hmm. how you get a disciple when you have someone that really believes in a teacher and there have been so many groups that started here in America and were just fell apart because they were not continued to be nurtured or they were overlooked or passed aside and this is one of the big fights that I have here and with American people learning Brazilian culture because that's what I'm dealing with but they, the, the, the thing is is that we didn't, some people didn't take us serious, that we were really trying to do this and do this right. Because mm -hmm. so many other people don't really care. They just want to do it like, oh, well, I'll play a little samba today, or I'll do a little capoeira today, or I'll play a little Brazilian music today. But there are people who that's what they live by. And some people they just don't know that that people are that serious about that and that's one of the things that i really want to be known about this whole brazilian scene from my point of view and my opinion of it that there are some really really serious players singers dancers capoeiras that are american okay and not to not to even go to to other countries i'm talking i'm just talking about here mm -hmm. but I think there's there's been there's been a, a a little a little gray area about the past and what's going on because just recently there was an event in Los Angeles that I knew nothing about and it was a samba conference and no none of my peers reached out to me to tell me about this and I just think that's a that's not really good a community because I could have maybe they suggested people to go there or something or we wanted to learn but I just think that that's the kind of respect that some of the groups get here in the United States because most of the groups were at the conference a lot of those people learned from myself and Georgie besides the Brazilians that were there and mm -hmm. that's you know I, I just don't I just don't understand why people sometimes overlook the past because we have laid out we, we've been a devotees to actually getting more people involved into to a, a beautiful uh, culture that we love and we embrace just like if it was one of our own yeah i think that conference in la they um i didn't know there was going to be drumming there i thought it was just a dance thing and i think that they have learned a lot about how they advertised it and they've mm -hmm. even said like we made a lot of mistakes like a lot of people didn't know it was even happening so mm -hmm. um just as a small defense of them i think they've this is the first time they've done it, and I think they learned a lot about how to even put something on. So, 
Well, I wasn't really putting them down for it, or I don't think it's really necessarily for a defense. It's just uh, a reality. Uh, that's yeah. not the only thing, you know. It's just a reality for me to bring attention. That was just an example uh, yeah. Yeah. of how that they need to be able to reach out, just like what you're doing right now. And I think this is beautiful because I wouldn't be able to get a chance to say this, and people won't really know much about this if you're if you're not doing what you're doing. So this is beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I think you um, you have such a, a long history of experience, especially in the United States, and just you've gone to Brazil and you know capoeira, and you've got, you've done all these things, and a lot of people don't know a lot of your background. But that's one reason why we wanted to have you on, just good, to talk good, about. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. Curtis, could you tell us a little bit more about your your association with Georgie and how that developed? How how over time you've become who you are well I I have actually always been who I am well as far as in the samba genre. <laughs> in samba as well but Georgie a lot of people didn't know uh, how can I put this this is what this is uh, before Georgie a lot of people did not know my potential because they could not believe that an American person could do what I was doing and be doing it right until I had a legitimate, what you would call a badass Brazilian drummer with me. And that showed people that this guy is for real. So that's what that's the way I'm saying that. I mean, Georgie had taught me a lot of stuff, but the most thing that he gave me was respect. And that was throughout the rest of the United States because people realized that, you know, a lot of the things they had been learning were not always what they thought they were. Mm. And that's what came up. I, I'm going to be, I'm, I don't care, uh, you know, this is, this is the truth to me. I have been taught a lot of stuff that was wrong about Samba from a lot of people in my 40-year gathering. As well as capoeira, I've taught, I've been taught a lot of wrong things, but once you find a person or a, or a mestre teacher that believes in you and will tell you the truth, and you start to see that what he's telling you is right, because when you start to compare it to other things, like things in Brazil, and it's right, and the things that you've learned before, it would is just like somebody was guessing about. You, you know, you kind of get upset about that, but at the same time, you feel good because here is somebody doing the right thing. And that's how I started to see how he was he was really influencing my life because what he was saying was no bull. It was it was all truth. And sometimes people do things to 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 take advantage of people just to make an opportunity successful for them. And they don't care about the, the consequences. And that's happened a lot of times. But. What happened with Georgie and I, Georgie Alabay and I, is a lot different because he actually brought me out of the wilderness. You know, he took me out of the the can't see what's the what's going on anymore. He made a lot of things clear for me, and I can tell you, it wasn't just through drumming. It was learning him as a person, as a Brazilian. That's what I learned from him: how to be Brazilian, not just drumming. I could do that with anybody. Mm-hmm. But he taught me more about the culture of Brazil 
not as a sambista, not as a as a capoeista, not as a musician, but as a person. Okay, and that's when my knowledge of Brazilian music and culture heightened when he taught me how Brazilians live as a person, not the, not the, mu the music part, because we all all drummers, musicians speak the same language, but people in different countries live differently. And that's one of the biggest things that will influence the way you play. How do you live? Hmm. So that's where he really straightened a lot of things out for me and set me on the, on the path that I have until yet to see incorrect. So mm -hmm. that's, that's why I hold him so high because he did not decide to just take advantage of me and just tell me, yeah, that's good. You're doing a good job and you're going to be really good. And knowing that I'm not just taking my money. And that's happened to me so many times. But that's over. <laughs> and I am here today to stop this kind of thing from happening. So so what are the signs? If you're, uh, say you're working with someone and, and uh, you don't know if you're being. Well, you see, this is, this is a new thing too. This is a new thing. I need everybody out there to listen to this really good. There is the the exposure has happened. It's it's over. Once Georgie came, that was the start of it. Now that the first I would I would consider the first uh official mestre uh of Abateria has came and gave have, have passed the word. <laughs> Less like you do in church. Mm -hmm. He has passed the word, okay? It's hard for people to, to be, uh, how you can say, inconspicuous about teaching. It's hard now because the truth is out, okay? Because there's people that has been to Mestre Ayotun's class. There's people who has been to Mestre George's class. There's people who has been to uh, Mestre Jonas's class. These people come directly from Brazil that are teaching people in Brazil how to play samba and they come here and do that so it's different now than when i was started it's mm -hmm. a the game is different now so people can they have a better source to 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 tap into now the internet has made has changed a lot right. you get you have uh better videos you have better knowledge and if you have somebody to direct you and you you're you're new at this it's it's good. To, it's easy for you now to pick someone who is the leader of a of a of a long-standing group that may not be a, a, a super master a drummer or Brazilian, but the it's the community connection that you got to deal with because that's a part of being a master is dealing with your community, not just having students and getting paid for it. You have a duty to to, to your mm. community as well to keep what you're doing alive because you won't be able to get paid if there's nobody to play it. So. Interesting. So. I never thought about. I never thought mm -hmm. about the mystery also being mm -hmm. kind of responsible for the community. Interesting. I mean, it's. I mean, if you're going to call yourself a mystery in 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 Africa, mystery would translate to Baba. Okay, mm -hmm. a Baba, Baba Lao, or Baba is a teacher or elder or storyteller or griot. There's a lot of names for them, mm -hmm. and people they get misunderstood about that you know you have a responsibility you have all this knowledge and you're going around piffing it to people 
until people have any more money and then who are you going to teach then nobody so you have to continue to, to to preserve the future by teaching young people which is in your community so if you're really not doing nothing to with your community you know it's it's kind of hard to call you a mestre even though you're not recommend recognized by your other peers as a mestre but you are a mestre to your immediate community you are the the guardian to your community unless you bring someone else in that's your job you have to take responsibility interesting and i've been doing it for long as i've been living in new orleans so and I do shows, I do all types of shows, I, you know, travel abroad, but I have a free, I've been having a free children's class for ever since I can remember. Where do you do your free class? I mean, is it like, how do you do a free class? I do a free class, I work with the city of New Orleans, and mm -hmm. uh, I kind of inherited a space and uh, I've always had the space. I used to work with a community group, which was called the Kuji Center. And uh, they taught the seven principles of Kwanzaa as a base of their uh, program. And uh, it was a pre kids, pre pre uh, kids prevention, pregnancy prevention program. And we did that for about 10 years. And then the program fell through. And for another three years, I stayed there and kept it going. I would just teach the kids, you know, after school, got some some teachers to come and help me do homework. We used to do all kinds of things there. Then mm -hmm. the city moved in and uh, we had this big fight uh, about ownership. And I, I actually sent out a big uh, blog and information about how they were mistreating us and trying to commandeer the building when it really wasn't. It was a lot. Of, lot. So we worked out all the details. Now I have a space. I can have any space, you know, as many spaces as I want if I can provide opportunities to, to the community. And I do that through that. And I use, you know, use something that was negative to my advantage, actually, because we were having this problem. So I said, look, who, what, who is this about? You or is this about me or are we working with the kids here? So let's give these kids a space. So we work nice. that out. That's how I work with the kids. Do you have any um, tips or techniques um, for your years of working with kids on how to um, make that go smoothly? Parents. Mm. That's the key. You have to tell the parents when they first walk in the door that you are no longer the parent. If you don't get that relationship with them when they walk in the door, you will never be able to work with your kids. Some kids are prepared for that. Some kids are prepared to, when, to work with people. But some people, you have to realize everybody is not a professional parent. Okay, they are learning. So when people at, at my state in teaching, when people when children bring when uh, parents bring their children to me, the first thing I I need to tell them is I need to separate the two of you, because if you're here, he's only going to listen to you. And what I say is not going to count. So we find out right then, right there, who's going to be the boss. So once they figure out who that is, then we don't have a problem. And if we have a problem, then I go back to the parent. How do you want me to deal with this problem? They say, do such, 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 and such. I have a beautiful relationship with all my parents because I let, I put them first. I put them first and let them know that hmm. now you give your kid is my responsibility if you want him to 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 grow you have to separate because eventually that's going to happen to them some don't want it to happen mm 
Mm-hmm. Some some want it to happen sooner than later. So <laughs> it's it's whatever you want, but eventually your kid is going to be somewhere along with somebody you don't know, a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, somebody. They're going to be that way. So yeah, Diana, do you have any questions? I feel like I'm dominating this. Yeah, you are, Courtney. <laughs> I know, I've got yeah, so many questions. Oh, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I just have a question about your kids. I know that marching band is really big in your city. Um, do a lot of your students do both marching band and samba? Well, I have been working with a marching band that's actually an after-school program led by the uh, great... Um, Rebirth Brass Brand drummer, Ooh, cool. Mr. Tab, Mr. Daryl Tab, and uh, he has a group called Roots of Music. And every for the last, I think we've been hit, doing this for six years. This may be the sixth or fifth. And we've brought the kids to the jazz fest along with my samba kids, mm-hmm. because so my samba kids, they can only do so much. So, they really don't do the percussion. We play drums, but they don't do the percussion. I go to the Roots of Music, and they have a percussion section, which is, they have actually basically an after-school full band. So I go and work with the drummers, like 30 of them, and they're from like 5 to 5 to 12, 5 to 13 years old. And uh, so that's that's where I really get to, to put my, you know, expertise to working with kids with samba with the Roots of Music because they have a lot of musical talent already. And so it's easier to work with them to do a show and put them together with my other kids. And we mm-hmm. put this big show together. I have some Capoeista kids and I have my stilt, uh, my Mr. Sticks program. The kids are walk, I teach the kids how to walk on stilts. And, cool. uh, and they also do drum rudiments in my program, all of these things, so. Great. Five years old is really young. Well, that I have. I split the class, but they still do. Uh, yeah, I split the class until they get good enough to do with a, a, an older person. The drumming yeah. class I split. The stilt walking class, everybody goes together because it doesn't matter your age for the stilt yeah, walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, now uh, you have. Did you have some other questions about the kids' classes or some more tips? You want another tip or? Sure. Yeah. Well. Um, one thing that that I, I realize when you're doing classes with 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 a number of kids, kids like to feel unique. That's the one thing that everybody has to realize about working with kids. Kids like to feel unique. You always have to get a, get them in a situation where they can feel unique. That's a bigger gratification than them receiving any kind of accolades than they can give themselves says oh man this was great that i did this i always try to set them up to 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 those situations where they're going to fall in that oh wow i really did this so i always try to look at and see things that that i know they're close to doing and help them to reach that goal and i know they've been waiting for that try to find those things that the that goal that they're looking for and help them reach it before they know it and they, 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 and then that way they can glorify themselves, and it makes them feel so good with inside. And then they'll tell you things. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's a great tip. Mm-hmm. Now, can you tell us a little bit um, about Casa Samba? Well, Casa Samba is uh, this is our thirtieth year been around. Uh, we were actually, I mean, if you want to do the math, you want to see. 
people, you know, say who's a this summer school, that summer school, this summer school. There's a lot of lot of groups that really started, you know, a long time ago. But we were performing like all the way up in 1987, since back in '87 when it wasn't called Casa Samba. I mean, mm-hmm. it was still Palm Artists at the time. Mm-hmm. So we were, you know, we were doing that, but we have brought the group to a, a different level, and it's my group got destroyed doing Katrina, uh, which I actually didn't know until like about a month later that half of the youth, the teenagers that joined the group, the youth, mm-hmm. they were young and they stayed in the group like five years and they were like young men and young women. Mm-hmm. Half of them had to had to leave. And that I never really recovered from that. Mm-hmm. So my group is very small now and I don't, put out flyers and because my group is more of a personal thing to me now so I mean I I have people coming to join the group but it has to be you have to want to be in a group I'm not going to go out and solicit and say hey can you want to do something I don't do that anymore I'm a little Mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm a little beyond that point because I want people to be really interested in what I'm doing and and be truthful about wanting to learn what I want to share with them Mm mm-hmm do you pull in a lot of kids from, or a lot of new people, I guess, from your kids' group? Do they end up coming and joining? That's how Casa my group, Samba? yeah, that's how my group is partially done. But yeah. that's, you know, the kids grow up. And that's what I was just saying. The ones that were in it, they had to leave, a right. large majority of them. But now that it just takes a long because they have to grow up. I get them like at 12 and 11 and 10 and 6, 5. <laughs> so, you know, just right now, I'm, in, I'm actually in a transition right now with, you know, getting people in, in, involved in a group. But it's, you know, we've, I mean, this is not, every group grows through that. Some people, you know, I remember when, you know, we had maybe like 75 to 80 people in a group. Whoa. You know? But it wasn't as good as it is now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like right now, my group is is pretty hot. I mean, I'm not I'm not bragging uh, anything. It's just the way it is, you know. Yeah, my yeah. bateria. When I go to the Brazil camp, I teach show the bateria. That's what I do here with my bateria. Okay, so any challenges out there, I'll accept. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me know. No, I said it. No. <laughs> All right. Any takers? Yeah. Let us know. Let, let, hey, anytime. No, I, I, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm proud of my group. I'm proud of the people that that you know that that stick with me. And I can. This is a tip for all of you, you group leaders. If you don't have about five people that will jump off the bridge with you when you say <laughs> let's jump, f- forget running a group. You can't run it without five or six people that, that is behind you 100%. And I have, I have that and more, you know. And it's a few people, but the people that I have, they are behind me. And that's, that's the one thing that, you know, to keep a group going, you're always going to have people in and out. But you have to have some people that are loyal to you. And that's another mm-hmm. big thing about, you know, about the summer groups, the loyalty. You know, people start, you know, that that for me is sometimes is a, is a problem. You know, you you come up and you 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 be like a, a a leech and you just continue to suck 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 suck, but you don't give anything back. Okay, from mm. to the group, you take from the group, 
you always take from the group but try to think what are you giving to the group besides what you already have and what do you have now that you didn't have before <laughs> so you know you'd be a great hippie player great dancer but you weren't that before but you are still the person that you are when you started add to yourself so what I mean by that, if people don't understand that, is that when you go to study with somebody and you just take, 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 and then they say, well, what are you going to give back to me? They're going to say, well, I really can't give anything. I gave you my time. That's not, mm. that's not, for me, that's not, that's not, that's not applicable. Okay. I could have charged you for that time that you were giving me because it's my time that I'm giving you. So I gave it to you free. So now you're going to charge me for your time saying that that's what you paid for what the things that I gave you. <laughs> so, yeah. so that doesn't make sense to me when you tell me, you know, uh, you know, I've given you all of this knowledge and blah, 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 blah. And you say, well, I've given you my time. Well, that's not what I was asking for. You know, if you if you was just going to give time, if, you, if I was just going to teach you for you to give me time, I wouldn't never do that because I can I can use somebody's time who's going to be a little bit more loyal and appreciate what's being given to them mm -hmm. so that's a good thing for you band leaders to understand who you you know who your who your band members are the one that that you may think is 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 the one that's upset but they're still there but they're they're still there for a reason they're still there for a reason even if they're disgruntled they're still there you gotta you gotta look at that so do you have any advice for um group leaders who might be leading a maybe not 80 people that sounds like a lot of people but a uh, sizable group that isn't as good how to either how to um tone it up make it you know get it how it to make the group better yeah well uh so much of it depends I, I, on the well, individual members you know like well no i i i must disagree with that mm -hmm. uh to a to to an extent if the members are are, are coming to class are being you know if, if you have a, a, a consistency in in your in your class then you're the problem if you have an inconsistency in your class it could be the people that you're dealing with is not really interested in what you're what you're doing they're just coming to socialize or waste time that's another thing that kills kills your group why are these people there so Making them yeah. better is not always <laughs> including, I'm sorry, making them better is not always including uh, everyone into what you're doing, but sort of making making sure that they're, they're not taking away from what you're doing. Because a lot of times you want to have people in the group just to have a big group, and it doesn't really work. So what I suggest is kind of like separating different parts, like these people, the best people should be in this group and everybody should be in this group but when you do performances you need to cut that group down to a small group and 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 create a goal for the people who are not up to par to enter to but if you have everybody playing together it's kind of it's kind of you, you just have a big dance a big drum class or a big dance class right. Right. so you so need to Go ahead. Curtis, mm -hmm. how do you do that? I mean, how do you tell people who've been playing? How do you have that conversation? Because that's hard. That you know, people get get feel rejected and. Well, it's 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 not, it's it's not that. It's not about them 
it's about telling the truth to them from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So if you've been not being straight with them, then that's that's going to be definitely definitely hard. But for me personally, beside all of that, if I'm late or if you're late or if they didn't, you know, don't get it, the thing that both of you need to look at, the person you're talking to and yourself. What is the big goal here? Are we trying to get our group better? Are we trying to get our batteria better? Are we trying to get better as people? What are we, what are we trying to do here? Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a, that's the first question you have to get out of bed. What 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 it, what is your why are you really here? It doesn't matter what this what the what the problem is. They need to understand why are they there or do they really want to be there or are they just there because of somebody else? When all of these things come out, people can understand a little bit better. They can want they can want to uh, be a part of 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 the problem. Uh, not be a part of the problem, but more of a part of the solution. If they know there is a problem. Mm -hmm. So if you have a group that's struggling, uh, as there's a number of different ways you can deal with it. But for me, the the first thing is is to sit down and tell the people the truth. You know, it's, that's that's the that's the only way. Because if you start kind of coating this, this person's going to know about this, and that one's going to forget about Just says, hey, we're not doing well in this area. We need to fix this. And if they can't fix it, we need to get somebody who can fix it. Mm -hmm. See, and fortunately, I don't have this problem anymore. Okay, because I can do all the fixing myself. And if I can't fix it, I have other people who can, but they don't need to do that anymore. But as people coming up, you also have to have some kind of backup plan. I mean, some kind of person behind you, like a Georgie. You don't have to be Georgie, but you need a, 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 some type of lineage behind you. You need some, some to belong to. Like if you're in a group and you have all these people and you're not associated with anyone, it's going to be hard to 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 keep to to keep a direction with the people. They're going to want to go this way. They're going to want. They're going to see that. And they're going to like that. This one's going to like this. That one's going to like uh, that. Gotcha. He want to sound reggae. He want to bandakatu. You have to get a a style that everybody agrees with. That this is what we're going to do. We can play bandakatu. We can play Afro. We can. But this is the style that we're going to stick with. So. That's another thing in, 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 in ironing that out. What is it, here? like I said, all, basically what I said, what are you here for? What do you really want to do? Okay, you're the Bateria director, you are good at samba. And then 10 people like Madoka too, but they play samba. Six people like samba, but they can play Madoka too. You have a Madoka too group. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if that's what you got, okay? Because you have people wanting something and more people wanting something and less people not knowing what they want. So they're going to go with the rest of the people. If they know how to play Monica too, they're going to go with the people who, you know, well, that's what we want to do. So that's a, that's a big mistake to try to put one thing in another. You need to know what type of genre you want to deal with. And to deal with, Samba reggae, samba afro, samba, 
uh, and go into the Afro, uh, the Afro, Afro, Afro folkloric cultures of Brazil. If you want to do all of those things, you're gonna to have to come here. <laughs> That's the only way you're gonna do it. No, I'm just kidding. But you're gonna. It's gonna be hard because I. The reason why I say it here because I've had so much time to deal with all of those things, and dealing with Georgie, who actually made a living at dealing with all of those things, Afro-Brazilian, Samba, Samba, all of those things. He made a living doing that. So he knows how to do those shows, mm -hmm. you know, of a cultural show. He knows that. Mm -hmm. That's his actually forte for me. I mean, besides the contemplate thing, putting a show together, that's what, you know, for his folkloric, not a Las Vegas and all of this, but folkloric, Afro-Brazilian folkloric, he's the one. And uh, so... Mm -hmm. You have to get your members headed into one direction. And if you want to do a, a multi-Afro-Brazilian cultural group, you're going to have to do a lot of work. There's a lot of work involved in that. You know, it's a mm -hmm. lot of work. But, you know, you have to start off with one thing at a time. That's, that's, that's my best tip. Start with one thing at a time. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with uh, conflict within your group, within, with members? And do you feel like it's the the group leader's business well, to way, kinda... Yeah, it is. It is a business, and the way I deal with it, I have I have uh, ground rules, bylaws. Hmm. Stay in those, you're good. That's it. What are they? Well, uh, I, I I can tell you what the one that's going to cause the most problem is that performing with other groups without permission. That's hmm. the biggest problem. See, people don't understand that. When you perform with another group, it questions your loyalty if you're keeping it secret. Hmm. So, it's like, if if you just want to go and play with all of these groups, you should go and play with all the groups, but don't say you're loyal to this group, okay? So, the thing is, is that, and another thing is that people have to understand what a, what a group is and what a band is. Okay, and mm -hmm. an organization. That's three different things. A band, you can be in a band, you can be in this band, you can be in that band. But if you're working so much, you can't play with anybody else in another band, right? Mm -hmm. So, but if you're not working a lot and you're in a band, you might need to go play with another band to get more work, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, you're not you only you're a part of the band you're not contributing anything you don't pay for the band's gas you don't pay for the band you know everybody pays for their everything there's no there's no it's no nothing so you go to the gig everybody goes to the gig they get paid you go home a group has a leader they pay people you know they have a band they have this they don't want they want to play for this this group or you're going to play for that person that's 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 a group an organization it's just like AT&T. You cannot sell Verizon at AT&T. It's a conflict of interest. Okay? For one thing, AT&T is providing you with all types of material to sell your phones, to do this, to do this, and do this. They're giving you all of this material and a platform to work on, but you're going to sell Verizon stuff. That's, not, that's a conflict of interest. Here you are. You've been laid out given all of this information on how to, to do all of these different cultural dances of Brazil, having paid a red cent, and all of a sudden you go and you want to work with someone else because you have a conflict. 
or you have a, a problem. That's not the way you do that. You don't resolve that like that. You talk to the director. Look, I have a problem. I need money. This has to happen. You don't just go play with this one because you, because of a situation. Your word means a lot to you as, as, as a person. If you don't have any integrity, you just go do whatever you want. That's fine. And nobody have a law for that. But I think that's the biggest problem with all of the groups about loyalty and integrity. So people need to understand, if you can't communicate with people, you're going to always have a problem. And with my group, is that any, any group that is doing the exact same thing that I'm doing, you can't perform with them because that's taking my gig. That's taking mm -hmm. our gig. So you're going to get paid, but you just bumped me out of a gig by going with them. So that's what they don't understand. That, And, and also, <laughs> this is what's even worse. If the group that you're going to play with is worse than what you're playing with. <laughs> that's, that's, super, that's super hard on a director. Like, so you go to help these other people to put me out of business by using the skills that I have taught you. That's basically what you're telling your director. And not it may and people may not look at it this way, but proof that's what it is. You are taking skills away from one location, bringing them to another, possibly improving this group's performance by 20% and getting the next gig that this group is going to lose because you're there. So all of those things exist, whether people like them or not. I mean, just now I was, I was a little bit, you know, uh, I, I, I kind of went overboard with it a little bit. But in small ways, that's what's happening, you know. And, it's, and, and the thing that makes it the worst is the discommunication. You need to talk to people when you have situations. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that could, you know, it's, it's, you're never going to be able to prevent it. But you could always put it, have it go better by being open about it and says, look, mm -hmm. I got to do this. You know, I'm in this situation. I got to go play with these people. Go ahead, man. Everybody knows about it. But when you start to do it behind the people's back and this one saw you playing there, that one saw you playing here, you know, it's like, okay, why, why is that necessary? Yeah. Don't be weird about it. Yeah, just communicate. Just be, be straight up about it. This is what I got. I, I need to, I have to do this. I'm loyal to you. Yes. But my house noticed this. My, this is that. I can understand that. You know, I can understand that. So, but that's, that's one of the things that, that kind of tears groups up is people freelancing after they have learned. Okay. Now this is for me, for people who, who you have taken from ground zero to wherever they are at so they decide that they're going to take the services that they were given and give to someone else now and not contribute to you anymore so i mean if you if you do this and you've been paying for your classes and you're not in a group and you go to a samba class that's what you do you go to a samba class and you pay your money and you learn and you go and you do whatever you want with it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that's what you do, but you don't go do that in someone's organization, okay? Not an organization, yeah. Okay, and that's what that's that, that's what people doesn't understand about samba schools. They're organizations. They're not groups. They're not a group. 
You know, they call them a group, samba group, but it's not. If you, you know, you got that many components in a, in, in, in an organization, that's an organization, you know. Yeah. So. And a community, too. Yeah. Ex thank you. Thank you. That's that's the big part. We're <laughs> getting back to the The final picture always is going to come back to the community. Yeah. No matter what you think, you know, you still have to live somewhere <laughs> unless you're out there in the woods every day, not paying electric gas and you can live off the land and you're out there and you don't see any any bill collectors at all my hat is off to you <laughs> you can do all of those things but until you have to pay for gas you're in some kind of hood <laughs> whether you like it or not you're in a hood you can be off in the, in the desert if you're still getting that pipeline you're in a hood you're getting cable you're in a hood <laughs> Curtis, I have a question for you. Go. Can you um, tell us about your time with Salguero? Ooh, that was... And when was that? Was that when you were going back and forth? Well, actually, a lot of people don't know that I've been going to Salguero. Salguero was my first summer school that I ever went to. So I was there when uh, uh, Mestre... Loro was there, and the first and uh, a good friend of his named Mauro de Hong, who passed away three years ago. And also, I have to say uh, my condolences to uh, his family, and as well as uh, this is a big. I don't know if the samba world knows about it, but we do have a god, a samba god now. I, I, it's, it's, it's official. We do have a samba god. Uh, my brother Lazaro passed away. Uh, I think it was about two a month at a month and a half ago, and uh, he's gone now. But I do know for sure there is a samba god. He's there, so he passed <laughs> away. And thank you, my brother, for everything that you did for me and all the people in the samba world. He was a great guy, and he helped everybody. He was a big and, and the group he was in was Embra Samba. I don't know if anybody remember that in L.A., but he was a great guy. So, yes. Sorry about that, but yeah. Uh, you, you, your question was again. Salguero. Salguero. Yeah, like I said, it was one of the first groups that I that I visited. Uh, actually, that's how I came up with the term samba school hopping. Me and my friend uh, Mauro, who I was speaking about, he would bring me to Salguero. Then we would drive another hour to Mosadaji, and then go back and stop on the way to Portela. And then maybe on the way to Portela, stop at Villa Isabel, then go home. We did that for like two weekends <laughs> at different wow. samba groups. Wow. So I, you know, that's that's how I've been. I I really, you know, didn't know a lot of people in Salguero because I was just going there as a as a tourist, and he was bringing me there as a friend. But he was introducing some people to me, but I couldn't speak a lick of Portuguese at the time. I just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would I really didn't know anybody. But after a while, after like. Ten years I've been going there, I got to learn to speak Portuguese. Actually, I, I taught Georgie how to speak Portuguese. I got to say this. <laughs> we we And he taught me how to speak. I ta he taught me how to speak Portuguese, and I taught him how to speak English. We did the technique of one word a day for mm -hmm. every day, and we had 360 words each year. Mm -hmm. And that's how we actually learned to speak Portuguese. I learned to speak Portuguese fluently. And he learned to speak English through that technique. Nice. So, 
Yeah, so, you know, going around to all the different samba schools, I got to, to be Mode Salguero. That's where I was always hanging out at. And I got to know all the guys. And uh, so I wanted to do my Mecca. And uh, when I did that, I think I stayed in Brazil for a month and a half, which was the longest I've ever stayed. And uh, so I got to, I got to show off some skills because uh, I had already known how to fix drums, play instruments, all of that really, really well. Be you know, before I got to meet the guys at Salgado, because I had been going to Brazil, going to Mossadagi, study. I, I actually known Mr. Jonas uh, when he was actually just the third Sordo player in, in 88. In, oh, in Mossadagi, cool. and he was like a monster just on third. You know, you would you'd look like a totally different guy. So, you know, I, I, I got to I got to stay with the Salguero Cats for about a month, two, a month and a half. So I used to go there every day, nine to ten. Every day, I have nothing else wow. to do. And so, the one thing, one funny thing happened to me. Uh, a guy came in, he wanted his cuica fixed, and none of the Brazilians had time to fix it. So, uh, one of the guys, his name is Oelio, means ears, yeah, you know, that's that's one of the guys at Salguero, he's like a legend there, he's been around for years. Oelio and Show, and they were the two that helped me so much at Salguero, because I used to work with them every day. So this guy comes in, he goes... Yeah, I mean, I need my quicker fix, you know, he's speaking in Portuguese. Blah, blah, blah. I understood everything he was saying. And so he says, we don't have time, but the American guy, he can fix it for you. Because I had fixed a couple of quickers for them earlier. I mean, they knew I knew it, do all of that stuff. So he, the guy looks at me, he says, uh, you know, he tried to speak in, por he speak in Portuguese to like, I can't understand. So he's talking, going to let this stranger, a gringo, you know, fix my quicker. It's not going to come out right. He says, well, if you don't let him fix it. We don't have time to fix it, and he needed it. He says, okay, I'll leave it here. So, he leave the quicker. I fix the quicker. Come back the next day. He's like, wow, you did a great job. Da, 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 da. Okay, gringo. He left. He come back the same day. The stick broke <laughs> in the quicker. He, have, I have, he asked me, he get down on his knees. He said, please, please. <laughs> I'm sorry, my friend. Yeah. I'm sorry. Please refix this for me. You know what I said? I said, don't call me gringo anymore, and I'll fix it. <laughs> Promise me you won't do this. I plead on now. I'm not going to do <laughs> So he, I fixed it. He fixed man. We do it. Next week, we went for the parade. He bought me, you know, some dinner and lunch. and Oh, man, it was great. It was a good, it was an interesting experience that, and that wasn't the first one, but that was an interesting experience, you know, that people thought American people just never could do anything like that, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's in the minds of a lot of people in Brazil, but it's not so. And the reason why I need to make Brazilians understand this is that they have mestres. Anybody can become a mestre, okay, if you put a time in the courage, sweat, blood and tears all into that you can become a master at anything proof in the pudding a professional basketball player would be considered a master basketball player am i right 
That's correct. He would be a master. He's if he's in the pros, he's he's pretty much a master player compared to somebody in college or, or high school. So there's a guy named Barbosa. If you all know, that's from Oakland. That played with the Oakland Warriors, and he's Brazilian. And he's been in the league, and he's got I think three championship rings. <laughs> uh, another guy named Nene. He's got a couple of rings, I, uh, at least one ring, mm-hmm. I'm so- somewhere. But anyway, my point is, those guys are not Americans, and they're playing American sport, and they are a master. That's my point. They are masters of their of, of this sport. So. Why is it impossible for a, an American to become a master at capoeira or a master at at, at, at a master de bateria? Why is that impossible? That's I don't I don't believe in that, and a lot of Brazilians believe that that will never happen, and they don't want it to happen. But we can accept them becoming masters at our crafts. But so that's what I'm saying. That can it can, it's it's possible if people are given the opportunity and go about it the right way so what is typically wrong with uh instruments that need to be fixed like the rims crack or i mean what's well what what in the samba schools let me tell you what what in the samba schools when we're fixing instruments the most thing when we get ready for for carnival is basically uh heads that needs to be changed Uh and bordon which is the wire Across, oh, across uh-huh. the snares, uh-huh. that's actually more than heads. Yeah, because hmm. the heads go, but the bordown they they go faster. Bordown and actually tucking the leather heads, excuse me, tucking the leather heads on the uh, on the surdus. Hmm. That that takes a considerable amount of time, and they don't use plastic heads like they do in Bahia. It's a different it's a different thing. Hmm. So. That's basically, you know, my, my experience. Oh, oh, the actual experience in Salguero with, with, you know, me going through the whole Mecca thing. You know, I did get to parade with them. And nice. uh, that was, that was, oh, man. And Jonas, the, the, first, the first year Jonas was at Salguero, it was the first, it was the year that I paraded with them. And I had been knowing Jonas for, at that time, I would say about 10 years. And the first thing he told me, he says, Oh, my compadre, I am not going to be able to help you. I don't know about if you're going to be able to pass in about the rear because this is my first year. Because every year when I was with Masadaji, he wanted me to come and parade with him every year. And so he knew what I was there for this was going to do. So he was like, man, I'm going to give you as much as I can, but... Please be careful. I don't know if I'm go- you're going to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. And not because of my skill, because he had so much pressure on him. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these other, man, it was it was crazy. There were so many people that were mad because they weren't going to parade. And they didn't come to practice, but they felt like they had a D there. And da, da, da. And it was just so much confusion. So the guys that I worked with, I was working with, he, like the guy I told you about the ears, the guy with the ears, mm-hmm. and the other mm-hmm. guy I called Show. They was like, no, we're not going to let this go down. You Don't worry. He said, meet us there at Super, uh, Sapucaí, where the truck was, and you, you'll be okay. So I did. I met him there, got the costume. When I walked in there, 
that was the most, I mean, I've been in Carnival here all my life. I mean, you know, I'm, Carnival is no big deal. But when I walked into this, it was like walking into the Twilight Zone. It, here's a, <laughs> a, an astronaut about 20 feet tall, dangling in the air. That's the first thing I saw, an astronaut, just in the air <laughs> on a stick, turning. And then the next thing I look, I see this giant, look like the Empire State Building spaceship. And he's orbiting wow. around the spaceship. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not seeing wow. this. And I just kept going, and all of a sudden, there's sugar cane fields on a float and waterfalls. I'm like, Why, where am I at? Yeah. <laughs> and wow. it was just an awesome experience. It was just it was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I did the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. So... And I didn't pay any money or anything. And, and let me tell you something. It is not easy to play in the samba school because you can't play. That's not, the, I mean, because you can play, that's not the problem. So if you're thinking you're chops, so don't feel bad if you get turned down because there are so many people that are ahead of you that are there. Yeah, sure. So if you're a bad player and you go to Brazil and, and you get set down, don't feel bad because there's so many other people ahead of you already. You know, mm -hmm. so, and and that's the best thing to do is build a relationship with people before you jump in their bateria. Okay, that's that's a big tip I got for all the sambistas, dancers, drummers, whatever. Do not go directly to play. Build a relationship first. That's the mm -hmm. key to getting more information because it's just like you coming in my house, drinking all of my milk, all of my sugar, all of my tea, and saying goodbye. Okay, that's what it's like, you know. Right. But if you come inside and you ask me, is, can, is it, please, can I have some coffee or can I have some sugar or can I have some tea? I will gladly give it to you. But not if you come in and just take it. <laughs> you understand? That's the philosophy. And people sometimes, they do this unconsciously, not knowing that they're being boisterous or whatever that is, or, you know, just obnoxious. Yeah. Because it's not obnoxious to you, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not obnoxious to them. Yeah. Kind of a bull in the china shop sort of a yes, thing. Yes, yes. Yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Curtis, can you tell us about where did you learn um, Pandeiro juggling? Well, I learned that from Randy Banks. That's why I said he was one of the most important persons in mm. starting that. And I'll tell you how that happened. He borrowed $30 from me and left me his pandero for collateral. So, he, uh, I started, I saw him doing the, uh, the malabarismo thing, and I was I was just infatuated, I was in love with that, so he left me the pandero. So, lo and behold, I go to the park, start practicing. One week goes by, no $30. Another week goes by, no $30. Another week goes by, I go, I don't want $30. <laughs> I said, I don't want $30. He's not getting his pandero back. <laughs> and he came back to, uh, within the middle of the next week. He said, man, here's your money. Can I get my pandero? I was like, sorry to tell you, bro. I got to break the news to you. Here's $40 for you to keep the 30 <laughs> I kept it. I kept nice. it. 
Nice. And that's how I started. <laughs> and then Benny Duarte was my next teacher in Pandero in Malabarismo, most showing me some things. But the guy who really brought me out of the woods was a guy named with a good friend of Georgie called Edgar. Edgar, you know, he was uh, Oba Oba's uh, pandarista, or, or not not pandarista. He was the Malabarismo for Oba Oba. And uh, he actually got to come here with George. I mean, come here with Oba Oba. And uh, he taught me so much stuff in a week that he was here. It's just that that was the, that's, I consider him my, my pandero master. I've learned from Carlinhos, Pandero de Oro, uh, uh, George's son, Anderson. Uh, there's another guy in, from Mangueira called Nelson. Um, all of those guys, I learned a lot of things. And also a good, good old friend of mine, which actually is another person that I've always admired and has been a great friend of mine, Ron Powell. He's showed me a lot of stuff with the Malabarisma too as well. And uh, so that's how I really got into it. But it, it, it was just something that, that just got, got to me that I really like to do, you know. Yeah, so cool. and you know, I was also a martial artist, so I was always mm -hmm, infatuated right. with instruments. And the way they did the pandero was sort of similar to me, like doing, you know, manipulating an object, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's that's kind of how I really was really attracted to it. Mm-hmm. Well, you I guys have, have sixteen. Y'all have sixteen minutes in. In, in, in 20 seconds. <laughs> I have like a million questions. I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> Which is, go ahead, it's far away, babe. Um, okay, can you elaborate or discuss on um, Brazilian music and like the parallels with New Orleans music in like the areas of clave and swing and improvisation? Okay, clave, swing, and improvisation. Okay, let's take the clave first. We will go to first directly to the rhythm called Ilu for Jansen. Which that sounds like a little bit like second line, but Ilu is. That's Ilu. Ilu and the swing of the second line. All of those rhythms go with the rhythm called Ilu. This is a Curtis Pierre discovery of last year in July of 2016. I have been playing Ilu for over 20 years. And last year, my son made me realize that the way we used to intro, use the intro for Ilu is... The same part, similar intro for second line. Same thing. Mm. The same clave, exact same. Okay, for the swing, the hum for ilu. Was I playing Ilu or was I playing second line? It's kind of hard to tell. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's the, the hum for Ilu plays almost exactly the same riffs, split in half as a bass drum player for a brass band. And in jazz music, the rhythm Ilu is also of Jan Sun, who is the guardian 
of graveyards. What city hmm. in the United States you think may have the most graveyards above water? Right. Huh? I wonder which. Yeah. Okay. Are we getting somewhere here? Yansan. Okay. Guardian of the graveyards. That's one of her. That's one of her positions as a Zonarishis to look over the graveyards. Besides, hmm. what else does she deal with? Winds, something like called hurricanes, like a big wind, a hurricane wind. Okay, we still dealing with Yan Sun here in the cemetery, New Orleans. You getting it? Mm -hmm. This is all a part of this discovery. I'm finding out more about my culture because I went to dig into the Mardi Gras Indians, and they play that rhythm. Mm -hmm. That the same rhythm. They, there's a lot of versions of Mardi Gras Indians. And this is another thing I've been finding out that a lot of them are not real drummers. They're playing with somebody they knew played. They're not exactly sure. Mm -hmm. But when I go to study with people, I study with young people, medium, and old. When all of them are playing the same thing, that's when I agree on what's up. Because if the old guy's playing with the new guy's playing, nothing ever changed. Gotcha, yeah. Especially if he's one of the originators. So, and that's the rhythm that they're playing. And there's so that's like a that's so many different variations of that rhythm, but it fits directly with the New Orleans vibe. Yeah. A lot of people start saying about Madaka too, but for me, I don't, I don't, I too can fit with you can make uh, music fit with anything. Yeah. But the actual rhythm ilu is the exact same chops that they play on the snare drum. It's the exact same thing. The the rhythm that they play on the snare in 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 Madaka too is totally different. It may sound you can make it sound like second line, but it doesn't have the root rhythm of that. And even a lot of people here, if you just go listen out in the street, does people don't even know anything about ilu? They you're gonna hear that. They play it on a bell. They play it on a bottle, tin can, anywhere. That's 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 the New Orleans nature of music here. That's that's our street beat. But like I said, a lot of people really don't are not even aware of that. And so when I came up with this album, you know, I was like, man, I started discovering all these things by doing this album. So the album mm -hmm. is really, really about because like I had to do these rhythms and put them together, and I was like, wow. That's what I was saying last year in July. That's when I discovered it because I was putting this, to, starting to make this happen. So I was like, man, this is this is deep, you know. Especially when I saw the, you know, the the the, the exchange between the, that intro with the second line and the intro with the Elu. It was like mm -hmm. it's the exact same, chan 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 bing or chan 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 ching. It's the exact same thing. The characteristics it don't have to be the way they did it and the way this, but the characteristics are very. Very, very close. Very How close. do you spell Ilu? I don't know this rhythm. I L U. It's the uh, Ilu is for Yansan. Aloja is for Shango. I L U. I L U. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Then how and, about? Oh, go ahead. And also, this the, they have a song here that they sing about. Shallow water, oh mama, shallow water, whoa mama, not oh mama. A lot of people think it's oh mama, but it's shallow water, whoa mama. That means about 
the mother in the shallow waters. Now, who would mother would be in shallow waters? Like a brook or a stream? Is that Oshun? A what? Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> so <laughs> I have that on my, I have a mixture of the Oshun, Yansan, all these rhythms go in mixed in each other. And it's mm -hmm. like a, it's like a musical New Orleans Brazilian voyage. The first two cuts on the CD. And it's like you know, from from being in the street, I got you know, bum, bum, hey man, I'm down in New Orleans, brother. Mm -hmm. All kind. It's cool. it's a beautiful CD. It's it's something that's historic, and it will be historic because this is the first time this has ever been done. I mean, people. I saw the the uh, the uh, what is it? documentary on New Orleans music and Brazilian music. I really did not like that because mm -hmm. it re really had no interaction with New Orleans or people had really had, it was only a concentrated amount of interaction with each other. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the real sense of what, what it is. What I'm saying, I think it was mostly handpicked of, of who they wanted to show about what but it, for me, it wasn't enough about the culture, the street culture. It was more about, uh, see, what people have to understand, the way we look at jazz here, there's two different types of jazzes that we look at here. Jazz that are played in the clubs are for upper class people. The class that are played in the streets are for the community, hood. Mm -hmm. That's basically the way people segregate jazz here. I mean, if you got money to go in the club and pay for jazz, that's it. Otherwise, you're in the second line, the band. That's that's the other set of people. So it's two different groups of people here with that. So the people who did that documentary, they paid more attention to the upper class part mm -hmm. of version of jazz of of uh, New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be... I'm interested. If anybody out there is interested in... <laughs> interested in doing a documentary on <clears throat> the New Orleans music merging with the Brazilian music by Curtis Pierre. I actually had my hands I actually had my hands cupped so people could hear me really loud. <laughs> so if anybody out any producers out there are looking to do a great documentary, I got the music for it already. It's already done. All you need to do is do some filming and we're mm. good. And it's a historic thing. It ain't never been done before. And you can get all inside and deep everywhere, everywhere. So awesome. Okay. So yes, look for also on the album is our, my, my favorite artist, George Alabay. Nice. He, he is actually singing on on uh, like a mixture of uh, pop music and Orisha music, sort of like what Carlinhos Brown does. Mm -hmm. So it's it's more in the order of that. So I'm kind of mixing like little hip hop beats, you know, some some funk beats. Some so R and B beats, you know, with with different things, you know, and putting uh, the Orisha music on top, but still having that flavor of the tradition and the pop mix meshed together. It's a great, great piece, really. I'm really proud of it. And what is it called? It's called Mardi Gras music with Mardi Gras music merging with Brazil for show. Nice. Can that, be, can that be found like on CD Baby or if people want to purchase that or on yeah, the Casa Samba website? Well, you can right now it's uh, it should be on iTunes and Amazon and Spotify and, and these things like that. Gotcha. Mm, cool. Yeah. I just put them up a couple of a couple of weeks ago. It takes the while they said to populate. So 
it should be there, but they can go to my website, casasama.com, and find it there. Okay, good. Is it under your name? Uh, the, the, the artist? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Great. Something to listen to on the drive to California Brazil camp and back. Oh yes, <laughs> it's it's good. It's my music is sort of more like it's not it's therapeutic. It's not it's not just for listening. It's for doing things, mm. getting places, going places. That's why I because I, when I'm I, I'm doing things, I like to to have music with it. You know. Yeah. So me too. So Curtis, we know that you are on a schedule here so we wanted to ask you a couple last questions not a problem what inspires you to create what you do uh you have a harder question <laughs> <laughs> what inspires me to do what i do is what i do i love what i do i i just that's the inspiration because i i when you 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 probably um did not get me clear when i said the first thing when the Roy Brooks was telling me to find a music that moves my soul. Mm -hmm. So when I'm playing samba or anything that's involved with that, that's my soul. I, I mean, inspired just by, by being involved with it. If I wasn't, I would be sad. <laughs> no, really, but that's, that's what inspires me. I love to do that and I have become you know, a, a, a figure in, 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 in the samba world here and mm -hmm. both here in Brazil as well as here and other parts of the world too as well. So I'm, I'm really satisfied with who I am. So I really don't need too much more inspiration. I mean, I always like to charge my battery, go to Brazil, see friends. But right now, I'm on the other side of this, this ladder. I am distributing my my knowledge mm. so that's you know my inspiration to, to keep going is done i'm already i'm, I'm there I'm now i'm giving back i don't i don't need inspiration anymore because i'm going to do what i'm going to do until that's it so i'm really at the point of giving back i want to give as much as i can and be fair to as many people as i can that's that's what i'm at so i can't really say what inspires me because it is what i do that actually inspires me but right now, like I said, I'm all about the, the releasing now because I've taken in so much, you know, it's time to, to, to let go. That's great. Mm -hmm. I have a question that I have to ask you. Go. Okay, so. Wow, this sounds hard. You said two things before you asked. <laughs> <laughs> your role at uh, CBC, at least since I've been going there, has been to um, help the with the advanced class you're um is that that's the advanced batteria advanced class. batteria class yeah can i yeah. correct your question yeah of course my goal is to make everyone that goes to brazil camp be more educated about what they're doing when they come in front of me whatever they want to know i want them to know the best that's mm. my goal mm -hmm. my job what I do at Brazil camp mm -hmm. is with the advanced bateria. You want now? We can we go from there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, my, what do you think about my job there? So okay. So the first day when you're walking around watching people play who want to play in that class, uh -huh. what are you looking for? Uh, how? <laughs> is this a loaded question? No, no. 
Diana, are you Diana, 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 are you gonna go back and post this when looks when Curtis looks at this, you're not gonna be in about the video. When Curtis looks at that, you're gonna be in a... Beware. <laughs> no, to, to be honest with you, what I look for, I look for people that are paying with confidence. Mm -hmm. I look for people who are not worried that I'm standing there. Mm -hmm. I look for people who are not actually worried about what the next person is playing hmm. those are the people i'm looking for but yeah that, those are the things i'm looking for i'm, I'm trying to get people to se segregate them from wanting to try to be in an in, in advanced bateria you don't try to be in an advanced bateria you're in the advanced bateria you don't go to try out you should know that before you try out mm -hmm. so if you're going there with the intentions to try, that should cancel you out right there. If you don't have, because if you have to go there and look at everybody else, it's not going to work. Doing that distracts everybody because you have a guy that's trying to pay attention to what's going on and you're watching them when you should be watching what's really going on. So you can't learn what you want to learn and know what's going on at the same time. That's why it's difficult. For you to know what's going on with what you do already before you try to learn what's going on from the director because the director expects you to already know how to play that's the problem and some people they don't know how they want to come with a different instrument or instrument that they don't know and uh that's what basically you know kind of puts them in a, in a doghouse they want to do something that they can't do but mm -hmm. they should do things that that they do well and not even worry about it so, because if you can come in and play and pay attention to the director and don't miss any of the, the traditional language starts and stops, you should, that's okay. I mean, if you don't know the breaks, that's not a problem for me. Nobody hardly knows the breaks that we're going to do unless you've been doing it like I have. No, you know, I can tell you would break from 1975 for San <laughs> or whatever. You know, I can, I can, so, but if you already... You know, if you don't know the breaks, but you know how to play and you know mm -hmm. all of the basic things that 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 the prerequisite things like how to start, how to stop, you know, those are the most important things. And if you don't if you don't know how to play your rhythm nine times out of ten, you're not going to know how to stop it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, people don't know that or sometimes they forget that people have been through the same shoes that they have been in. And sometimes they get with this that, well, maybe it happened different for me than it happened for you, but that always doesn't come come close. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't. You know, it's like if you sit down there and you can't play the rhythm from A to B, don't expect me to, don't expect, I really don't expect you to know how to start and stop what you're playing. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know how to play it, how are you going to know how to stop it? Mm -hmm. So that's 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 the thing i try to look for my goal is to keep the bateria pure and and as good as possible and sometimes that means hurting people's feeling the one thing i don't like is that when i do ask people to leave for a minute they just go completely berserk and just leave so they don't want to be there anymore mm -hmm. so when i'm trying to give them a chance to see what's going on if i think they have enough potential to sit out and find out what's going on and give them another chance later you know, maybe that may work out, you know, so hmm. maybe 
it's just they are a fast learner and they only need to know a few things mm-hmm. you know, so that's 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 you know people have to have a patience and getting back to the same old r word respect just you know respect that i know what i'm talking about and you don't <laughs> also i think respect for what the group is doing because these people have yes. put in a lot of time to get where they are and so you need yes. to respect that you know that's and, there's something and, happening here that's that's bigger than you and exactly and you yeah. you just want to be a part of it that's all that's all, that's all. You're, you're not you don't care about respecting the next person you just, you just want to be a part of this i say yeah. i did it you know and whether yeah. you did it good or well doesn't matter just say you did it and that's the 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 kind of attitude that will destroy about the via. yeah it's a good carrot though for people to work hard yeah it is. I mean, and and, and the beginner bateria is there. It's you know, it's always there, and it's very useful. You know, and mm-hmm. people who do go through it a couple of times, they wind up coming into advanced bateria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, all right, okay. Last question: uh, What has been your happiest moment playing this music, being involved in this? Ooh. Uh I got to think about that for a couple of seconds. Yeah, take your time. The happiest, happiest, happiest moment. <laughs> hmm. I would have to say seeing my son do a chimbao solo. Hmm. I think that was probably it. My height, because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That I, He never likes to play chimbao. He never likes to play congas or anything. And all of a sudden, one night, he just like, just went berserk <laughs> so i don't know what happened but that <laughs> night i was i was on i was really happy to see him just play like that on you know on the instrument that he doesn't play a, 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 at all i mean a lot at all you know i mean he knows but you know was that like on a on a stage when he did that like it was at, actually at a party a friend of mine's gotcha. party yeah and gotcha. uh cool. so but also, you know, I've I've had a lot of teachers, you know, you know, and I also like to definitely give a lot of credit to them because I have had a lot of teachers. I know a lot of stuff now because of them. And, uh, you know, to all the ones that I didn't mention, you know, uh, Marcio, uh, yeah. uh, tons of uh, Mr. Cobrinha, uh, a lot of people that, you know, that, I, that has helped me, Justinho, um, Mr. Jean Grange, uh, my students, a lot of people have helped me to get where I am today. And I feel that was the only way in, in, in getting to where I am is to have the teachers that I had and, and the support that I've had, you know, with me. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of my family, you know, but with the other people. You know that are not connected to directly to my family is it's been a really good experience for me yeah so. awesome is there anything else this is your chance is there anything else you'd like people to know about you that we haven't asked touched on well i'm also a uh visual visual artist and uh i think in the next year or so i'm going to be smoothing back into that transition not mm-hmm. giving up samba but making more paintings and mm-hmm. i also like to tell people i design and make brazilian bikini costumes i do the wire frames you can have all that work done you can go to braziliancostumes.com see some of my work that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) braziliancostumes.com i feel like a commercial but we'll put put a link to that in the show notes too and and to your cd yeah Yeah. 
and I make all I make all of my band the band when you see uh, the the costumes all the costumes you see ten percent to five percent dancers costumes I bought it from Brazil all nice. of the rest we handmade all of the wow. costumes wow especially the latest pictures within the last three year, five years all of those costumes are all handmade by us and myself and I have a crew but I'm basically the artist behind all of those designs and stuff like that uh-huh. so if anybody oh, cool. needs a, a, a bateria costume designed or made or whatever I do that that's another thing that people don't know about me that I make costumes for shows if you need have a show for dancers and I know all of the traditional dress for these different shows for Caboclo with the use mm. for Caboclo with the use for Orishas I know how what things to use mm-hmm. and what materials to use and what makes it look authentic and what's going to make it look modern authentic new authentic and keep this tradition without staying old but keeping the new tradition because you know everything evolves yeah, yeah. So I have a lot of knowledge on that in making costumes. I do costume making workshops. I do all of that. Oh, cool. As well. So I also do maintain my website. I'm not taking any callers for websites, but I do my website. That's another thing people don't know. That's probably why it's all messed up, but no, nah, it's not. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, it, it's, it's fine. I do that. And uh, that's, you know, that's about it. Yeah, great. Well, thank you for coming on. You're a great resource for um, the community in the United States who's, you know, trying to learn and grow. I think we can probably, I mean, everyone could utilize your knowledge, I think, a lot more than we have in the past. Yeah, and and I would, I I really applaud you guys for having this opportunity for, for people to do and as well as having me on it because, you know, I really, you know, need to, to, to share more and that was you know a part of what I was saying earlier you know about when you said ask me what inspires me is like I'm done being inspired you can't I can't get more mm-hmm. inspired than I'm already I'm done with that I'm yeah. just gonna make everybody else around me want to feel good like I do mm-hmm. that's my goal you know mm-hmm. so that's to make people play better feel better about themselves and you know that's 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 what that's what basically I want yeah Awesome. That's great. Do you do you travel around and, and teach other groups? Do you do workshops? Well, yes, I do, but I don't get as much many calls as uh, I I think a lot of people don't know that I do that. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I do. Yeah, good to know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we lost Diana. Her um, microphone went out or something. She says she can hear us, but okay. um, anyway, thank you so much for coming on. And from Diana also, thank you. We really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Curtis. I think you guys probably got a good feel for how interesting and great of a guy he is. If you would like to learn more about Curtis, you can find him at www.curtispierre.com. He also has um, another website called thesampaman.com, but it's under construction right now, so um, check back on that. But depending on when, when you actually listen to this, it might be back up. You can also find him on Facebook or Curtis Pierre. And links to all these will be in the show notes um, at our website, thebrazilianbeat.com. And make sure to look out for his new um, CD. Oh, that's right. Yes, it's on Amazon. So that's where I'm getting it. Also, we'd like to thank um, all of our followers and 
um, commenters on Facebook and Instagram. It's nice to have some interplay with you. So keep commenting and posting. From our tens of listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts five-star review would be awesome or just whatever you feel please let us know you can find us as i said before find us at www.thebrazilianbeat.com if you have any suggestions like guest suggestions uh you can or any critiques or anything let us know thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com um we're on twitter brazilianbeat1 that's the number one facebook the brazilian beat podcast uh instagram the brazilian beat you can find us in several different podcast apps uh, apple podcast stitcher Pocket Cast, google play and player fm you can also stream us from our website thebrazilianbeat.com you also can find pictures of our guests at thebrazilianbeat.com and more information and links and all kinds of stuff i just wanted to add too that we've been having we talk a lot about brazil camp because we love it um and a lot of our guests from there but We'd also like to interview um, people throughout the world that are that are playing samba, maraca, too, whoever are in this uh, community. So it's a big world out there, so there are many people to talk to. And if you, as Courtney mentioned, have any suggestions, please let us know. And um, at least if there's a ton of people out there, it'll keep us going for many, many a year. Right, Courtney? Yeah, exactly. We need to interview that guy from New Zealand that... Um contacted us a while back New Zealand guy contact us (laughs) if you're still listening (laughs) awesome thanks for listening everybody ciao